listening to the Worcester Observer Podcast because you have impeccable taste. Hello and welcome to the Worcester Observer Podcast. It's the morning after the night before because yes, yes dear voters, once again you will be asked your opinion by the the politicians who should know better. The third election in just over four and a half years It's going to happen. It's got to go... Technically, we're recording this on Wednesday morning. The House of Lords has got a rule on what Parliament debated last night, but it's going to get through because of the size of the majority of the vote. So what do you think about Thursday, December the 12th? Actually, I'm going to do a little bit of public service and actually say I do want your reaction. So editor at worcesterobserver.co.uk, Facebook me, Twitter, Instagram, send me a pigeon if... Because I do want your views on the ground about being asked another question by the politicians. This would make it four, four votes in the last five years. General election in 2015, the EU referendum in 2016, the general election in 2017. 2018, we were never asked our opinion on anything. We just enjoyed England's World Cup, World Cup success. And now 2019, we, we just about got to within 18 days of the end of the year... We got to within 18 days of the end of the year. I'm discounting Christmas Day, by the way. I know there's 19 days, but Christmas Day, we're not going to do anything on Christmas Day, so I'm taking that out. We got to within 18 days of the end of the year, but no, the spectre of the general election looms large as the uh, the ghost of election passed. But it's the only to... thing, isn't it, that will get anything done? It will. Yeah. Um, and Claire's here, back from her sojourn in Birmingham. Uh, and I've just hit the microphone already. That's just always a great start. By the way, we're both coughing as well, so we're not dying or anything. We're just both very sort of ill, so <laughs> we'll try and edit most of them out, but do lavish us with sympathy by giving us a listen. <laughs> but no, it is the only thing that's going to get it done, but as I've said in my comment, none of the parties that will be asking your, for your vote in December, and I'm going to get quite... I might get a bit ratty about this, because I was quite ratty right in the comment... Um, None of the parties that want your vote on December the 12th can go into this campaign having won anything, having on top of anything, being a sense of right about anything. You know, this Brexit deal, let's let's be brutally honest, this Brexit deal was, it was near, near enough over the line. No. There were numerous Conservative MPs saying, we'll back it, we'll back it, we'll go for it. And then something happens... Always to derail it. Well, it's been Labour and SNP, hasn't it, who've just voted it down every every possible opportunity. It, it is, but I mean, Super Saturday. I mean, we've we've not met since Super Saturday. Super Saturday. What a rubbish term for a debate <laughs> in the House of Commons, by the way. I got the feeling, looking at all Twitter, because I've been a political egg as I am. I was on Twitter all day, even though I was around the Mary Hill Centre. <laughs> a little insight into my life there. Um, I got the feeling that had Boris simply said, "Oh, go on then. Yeah, we won't do it in three. We won't do it in three days. We'll have time to discuss it, and I'll I'll ask for a technical extension." But the I deal f- would have been passed. But I feel that um, they just keep moving the goalposts. I feel like we've so nearly been there so many times with Boris mm. at the helm, mm. and. Every time we're nearly there, they it is the Labour and the SNPs who've just moved the goalposts over and over again, and we're never going to get anything done, are we? I think there should be some sort of rule about, you know, whoever's governing should have a majority. I don't like these unmajority governments. We don't do nothing, hung parliaments no, very well. we don't. No. Nothing can ever um, happen. 
every I mean watching the watching the TV yesterday evening you know everyone said oh yes but the coalition worked well and that was that was the result of a hung parliament because that was the Lib Dems getting into bed with the Conservatives it did because it moderated the Conservative government and there were Lib Dem things that were introduced that are still now government policy but it ended badly for the Liberal Democrats because in 2015 they bore the brunt of the voters' anger. So mm. coalitions don't work. I mean, every Germany has to have coalition governments, obviously, because of history. We're not going to go into that. But I know the UK doesn't do hung no. parliaments. But the problem I've got with this general election, <coughs> I don't see it's going to. I don't see how it's going to deliver a majority. Because the nation is still bitterly divided. I, I think there's going to be a few surprises. But I think the parties are all peddling such different messages, are they? Obviously, there's Brexit. I mean, the, Brex, um, the Conservatives, let's just get Brexit done. There's the Lib Dems, who, quite frankly, I think are saying... Um, they, well, they obviously are saying very openly that they just want to stop Brexit now. They are going to put a total end to it. Mm. And that, to me, is just saying they don't respect the 17.4 million who voted three years ago. And so why, if we if they win the vote, why should we respect anything that they'll put through? Or uh, uh, They're just obviously not oh. respecting... That's the cross they've got to bear. And then Labour are saying um, they've got one foot in each camp, haven't they? they we still don't know well, what Corbyn well, thinks. I mean... <clears throat> Going through the party leaders, one by one, Boris Johnson didn't want an election three weeks ago and suddenly became, I really want an election well, now. Well, he had to. He had no choice. Well, he no, didn't he, want said, he said he didn't want an election now. At the now, end of the day, one. he still doesn't want an election, really. If everything was perfect and the vote had gone through, he wouldn't want an election. But Jer- the, it's the only... He, he can't not have the election. Jeremy Corbyn has spent everyone saying, I want an election just not quite now. Do you want one now? Not quite now. And then farcically yesterday said, oh, well, we'll back one now because no deal's been taken off the table. But no deal no, hasn't been taken off the table. No deal was taken off the table in the short term, I mean. Uh, yeah, in the short term. It, it was taken off the table on Monday. It took him till yesterday to realise. He doesn't even know if he wants to stay in or out, does he? Seven weeks ago, he wanted to um, get out, and then he's, seven weeks ago, he wanted in. And we still don't know which way he's going. His, jo- his MPs don't know which way he's going. Joe Swinson wants an election but wants to cancel the result of the last but one election. The DUP want, to, want an election but then abstained and sat on their hands and didn't vote for it. The SNP want an election because they want independence. I mean... It goes back, I, I said, I wrote an editor's comment, and I actually, that six-minute diatribe I gave you on the podcast a few weeks ago, they have not learnt a thing from 2016. The reason why this parliament, and I include all parties, Perda hasn't started, so I'm not being equal just for the sake of it, I include all parties in this. Every single one of those 640 have learnt nothing from 2016. 2016 was a vote of anger, a vote against this Westminster bubble that, no matter what the people said, the politicians say, well, we know best. Three years on, nobody has put their finger on it and gone, do you know what? That vote might have been to say that maybe we don't know best because they're still behaving like they know best. But, yeah, the thing is, the vote happened and I just keep going round and round and round in my head about it, and it has to be respected. If it isn't respected, Absolutely. the whole thing but is a farce. Every single, isn't it? But every single one of them there isn't. 
every single one of those MPs is not respecting it because no, they're well, playing political Boris games. Is, they're he? playing political games. Boris is the only one. Boris, we, we've gone about this before. Well, it's not. Boris could have played political games a little bit better. Masterstroke last night, readmitting 10 MPs to the party. Mm. Master, absolute masterstroke. Bringing the family together before the election. Brilliant. But there was. He had the deal within the grasp. Mm. He had a deal within the grasp. He could have signed it off. Because it would have only started the transition period. It would have got us out. He would have delivered Brexit in the sense of getting us out. Everything else was up for negotiation. Do you think there is more to it? Do you think? Because when I was reading some of the Brexit Party's literature, that deal, I I was really in favour of the deal that Boris almost got. But then looking at it, our fishing waters still would be under EU. And there's all these things which doesn't, to me, mean that we are totally in control again. So maybe Boris is going for a more harsh deal. I don't know. I'm going to go for a conspiracy theory. Okay. We all have a conspiracy theory. (laughs) Welcome to conspiracy theorists (laughs) joining us on the podcast. I don't think he's brave enough to do it. I don't think the government of this country, anyone, I will, I will say every potential leader ruling the Lib Dems because they don't want it, I don't think anyone other than Nigel Farage, an outsider that hasn't been in the Westminster bubble, is actually brave enough to do Brexit. Because they're all worried about the potential consequences. But I... I yeah, but you're I, right, if it doesn't get respected, the whole thing's a farce. Mm-hmm. And that is where we are. Mm-hmm. And I think this election, I mean, the, we're going to have five weeks now of the differing messages. Every single one of them, I hope, goes to the doorsteps. And I hope, if you are listening, some of you MPs, I hope you're prepared to listen and stand and take some constructive criticism, not abuse. Abuse is just wrong. Absolutely, yeah. But I hope you're ready to face some difficult messages on the doorstep by people that are let down. Because no matter who you voted for, you know I'm a devout Remainer. And I still believe the being in the EU is the best thing. You know Claire is a Brexiteer and believes being out. And we can, get on, we can have civil discussions like this. We've both been let down. But even as a Remainer, even as a devout Remainer... I've now got more sympathy for Brexiteers because people voted to leave and they've been ignored. And it's a brilliant, brilliant and a very dark way of doing politics that you manage to annoy everybody. Hmm. You annoyed the Remainers by ignoring them and saying, well, we're going to deliver on what the majority voted for. And then you proceeded to annoy the very people who voted for the thing and asked for you to deliver it by not delivering it. It's Dark politics. Yeah, so it is. And everyone's an expert, aren't they? Everyone oh, everyone's, an, everyone's an expert. <laughs> Michael Gove was right. We have had enough of experts. <laughs> but I think, I don't think it resolves something. And certainly when I finish this podcast, I'm going to try and speak to our MPs today. And one of the questions I want to ask them is, do they genuinely think this will resolve Brexit? Because I don't think it will. Oh, see, I do. I think, well, if we get a majority. I think if the, the Conservatives get a majority, That's the problem. We'll... I mean, look, at, I was doing a little bit of sketching this morning in the, in the office because I was here at stupid o'clock because I couldn't sleep. Um, I'm trying to path, plot a Conservative path to a majority. I can't find one at the moment. Because you think we're going to be losing a lot of the Scottish... 
the problem is Ruth Davidson was alone in Rod in Scotland. People, mm. Scottish Conservative voters really found somebody they could really rally behind. We don't know what the implication is. It could be that the new Scottish leader is as inspirational on the campaign trail. We don't know. But if, if they do lose it, and there seems to be all the polling out of Scotland seems to be the SNP... Uh, Although um, a poll three days ago said the total... I, do you know what? I don't know who to trust. I'm looking at different polls, and a poll three days ago was saying that the um, Tories are having more support than ever in yeah. Scotland. And then today, polls were saying the actual reverse. Do you know the best poll to trust? Right, which one? The exit poll. <laughs> the one at 10 o'clock. <laughs> the, yeah. the one at 10 o'clock. Polls can vary. I mean, it's different people at different times, and you catch... But you've got to remember, the way they do the voting is catching people... Um, at different times of the day, people are just like, might just go, they've seen something angry and they've just gone, oh, I'm voting Labour. Mm. But but also, the fur- apparently, the far- further left you are, the more likely you are to tell people what you oh, are. Yeah. And so apparently there's always that slight bias. There is the shy, there is the shy Tory vote, <laughs> yeah. yes. Um, <coughs> but if we assume Scotland may go back SNP... That's 11 seats. Now, those 11 seats sent David Cameron over the top in 2015 to a majority. Hmm. You've got to look at the southwest of England. A lot of seats in the southwest of England are suddenly going Lib Dem, or the polling indicates Lib Dem. London, I mean, London will probably be a washout for the Conservatives because London is the heart of Remain. Hmm. You see the Lib Dems prospering there. So it's the north of England, but I don't think... We're very tribal in this country. Labour voters in the north of England that voted for Brexit will not automatically flock to Boris because he's going to deliver Brexit, because it's tribal. It's never trust a Tory, never, the never kissed a Tory line. Mm. So I don't see how he gets a majority, but I'd be proved wrong. We've well, got a long campaign. I could, we might be sitting here in December going, wow, that's quite a stunning election result. Yeah. Well, it also, we don't know what's going to happen with the Brexit party either, do we? We don't, we don't. know if they are going to split the Tory vote down the middle. And who knows? Think, Corbyn could get to number 10. We just don't know. I don't know. I, I, I mean, one more than 100 Labour MPs abstained from that vote last night to vote for a general election. That's not a good look. What I don't understand, Rob, is the vote that they had just just before, it was really pretty close, and then suddenly it was 423 to, what was it, 30 or something? 438 to 20. So how, why the sudden mass difference? Had they just given up and they just thought, right, let's no. just do it? Um, it's, sim- it's simple, but a lot of people on the opposition benches don't trust Boris Johnson. So when he tabled his motion on Monday for a general election on the 12th of December, he needed a two-thirds majority under the Fixed-Term Parliament Act. By the way, if anyone in power is listening, the next government repeal the Fixed-Terms Parliament Act. It don't work. It was supposed to be designed for... We'll ensure that the next date of the general election is enshrined in law. It don't work. Politics don't work like that, certainly in this current state. So, for goodness sake, repeal the damn thing. I think we're the only country in the world now who has that, apparently. I was reading an article, and it was, uh, it was, yeah, they don't, nobody. Yeah. Other other countries adopted the British system, but they've all. Don't I think have we've that got anymore. the one in law, haven't we? Because I know in America the presidential election is always the first. It's the first Tuesday in November. Is it? 
I think in America, the president, I know it's obviously it's every four years and it's not in law, mm. but I think it has to be the first Tuesday in November. Oh, right. Okay. I didn't know that. I <clears> think <throat> it is. If you, we've got an American listeners, do tell me I'm completely wrong. So I probably am. <laughs> um, but repeat. So under the fixed term parliament, Act, it needed a two third majority. At that point, Labour were like, oh, well, no deal's not been taken off the table, even though Donald Tusk had said the extensions tick. I don't know why I'm doing a tick sign. I've got but to even, though, even though he said a thousand times, you're not having an extension, you're not having an extension, and then suddenly it's like, yeah, you have, you can yeah, have an extension. We want our 30, million, 30 billion. Well, yes, there's the, there's the there's the finances. Yes, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to attempt to defend that. But it's clever politics from the EU. If if they keep going, well, you're not going to have an extension. Oh, go on then. They can't ever be blamed. Hmm. It's the bla- it, this is what I mean Brexit's now the political football the EU are engaged in it now because they literally go we need to ensure that we can't be blamed for anything Yeah. and that, will, that creates this sort of endless so under the fixed term parliament act he didn't get the three, three, um, three quarters two thirds majority sorry it's all about fractions um, so then the amendments were proposed Jeremy Corbyn asked for the election to be Monday December the 9th and lost by a majority of 20, which personally I'm kind of glad about because I'll let you insight into how we put the Worcester paper together. Monday we do a few pages, but Tuesday's the deadline day ahead of publication on Wednesday. So had we had a general election on December the 9th, I would have faced coming in on the Monday, working all night to cover the general election, and then deadlining the Worcester paper on the Tuesday with very little sleep. You would have slept well that weekend. I would not. I (laughs) would have probably not seen that weekend. So I'm very glad it's on Thursday, December the 12th, Mm. once again. So... He got his amendment was defeated, and then Boris put a simple one-line bill saying, irrespective of the fixed-term parliament act. So they they overrode it. They overrode the fixed-term parliament act anyway. So mm. there's there's no point to it. Repeal the damn thing, and just leave it. Go back to how it was. If a prime minister wants a general election, he's got a firm Buckingham Palace and make an appointment with Her Majesty and say, Your Majesty. It's not working, I need to call a general election. Yeah, and let's give it back to the Queen. Absolutely. Because it doesn't work, and one of David Cameron's many sins is that fixed-term Parliament Act. It's ridiculous. Mm. Anyway, get off my soapbox, calm down. <laughs> so, December the 12th, let me know. Um, we, we have more exciting, and who knows who's going to be turning up in Worcester. Let's just say I will be taking the recording device out, and hopefully we'll get more elections. Broad appeal, Boris... Or anyone in the cabinet, any senior conservative, come to Worcester. You'll love it. We had Jeremy Corbyn in the last campaign. Boris, come on. Come on the podcast. Come on the pod. <laughs> come on the podcast with us. It'd be really nice. Or anybody, that? anybody in the shadow cabinet, Mr. Gove. I'd love Boris on the podcast. You know, he was one of my very, very first interviews ever. I thought you were going to say first crush. <laughs> first crush. I did actually fancy him a little bit after I interviewed him. It was about two thousand and two, two thousand and three, and he was the MP in Henley. Yes. And obviously, he wasn't that well known then. I mean, he was known, but he wasn't. But I was at university, and I ended up interviewing him for this TV station called Town TV. TV. Yeah. <laughs> and he came on his bike, he came rocking up on his on bike. On his Boris bike. Yeah, on his bike, and he was all really enthusiastic and really positive. And I think I said to him, we've got it on tape somewhere, um, on the old VHS, my mum's got it somewhere. <laughs> but I think I said to him at the end of the interview, um, oh my goodness, you, you've been so inspiring. <coughs> You're going to be Prime Minister one day. 
So here we go. Can you imagine? I no, think... if you could only have six lottery numbers for Saturday, <laughs> exactly. that would be great. <laughs> what could I be capable of? <laughs> but anyway, enough election because we're going to have five weeks of it. Why well, will make a pledge to you if I don't have to talk about the general election on the podcast? I'm going to try not to. Oh, you're not going to be able to resist. <laughs> no, I think what we need to do, we need to pledge to our dear listeners not to ram the general election down their throats every single week. One thing we do need to address, though, um, is I'm sure if you're listening that Worcester is once again by the sea mm. as the River Severn has uh, flooded, causing quite a lot of excess water across the city. I'm glad to say that the peak was reached last night. Uh, at about five metres. Wow. Uh, which is, if you put metre sticks together, you'll see how high that the water was. At one point, the seven was four metres above its usual level. Oh, my goodness. Amazing uh, photo on the front page of this week's paper by Mark Regan. How did you... How, do you know how he took that photo? He's, he he's was at the top of the uh, bell tower of the cathedral. Oh, wow. Oh, of course it's looking out that way, it's a terrific. It? It's a terrific photo, but it's... Terrific, but also deeply, deeply haunting at, the na- at what Mother Nature could actually do. I mean, the Seven's beautiful. It provides a wonderful backdrop to the city, but it also can be quite damaging and quite lethal. Why do we have this problem all the time in Worcester? Oh, is Worcester actually in a dip, or is it the drainage system? Or It's the excess water, because it's the River Severn, flows from the Welsh hills. It has to go- come down the Severn and out into the sea at the Severn Estuary by Brist- near Bristol. Hmm. Uh, and simply it's just excess water and Worcester is on a floodplain so it was designed for if there is excess water that Worcester is designed in a way that it floods the idea is that it doesn't damage homes and properties and certainly a lot of investment has gone in um, because the flood level is as high as the February 2014 floods which caused an awful lot of damage Um, but it's not flooded that many homes it has affected a number of local businesses uh, but it is because Worcester is on a floodplain. And there's, so there's nothing we can really do. They can't build other channels out or outlets. Be, it would be very difficult. I mean, the obvious thing to do is do what they do, they've do. they done in Bewdley and put fuel, uh, flood barriers. Mm. But the length of the Severn passing through a city like Worcester, it's it enormous. would cost an absolute fortune. And we're talking maybe hundreds of millions of pounds to put a flood barrier scheme in place. Right. And there'd be no guarantee of success anyway. But Worcester is on the city side is on a hill and the river is actually in a dip so the Worcester was built in a way that everything was on a slope so well you know I was living in America for a while and I lived in Palm Springs just outside Palm Springs in the desert for a year and when I got there I used to look around there were all these huge empty rivers Mm. everywhere and I, I was constantly thinking, why on earth have they built these rivers? They're always just dry as anything, got cactuses growing out of them and everything. And then I learnt why they were there. They filled up to the top and they're just outlets to get rid of mm. the water. Once a year, it pours down and it doesn't stop pouring down no. for about three weeks. And these become just full rivers. But they're, they're purpose-built and they yeah. just channel the water away. We couldn't do that somehow for... I think it'd be difficult because you never know when flooding's going to strike. That's true. I mean, we've had spring floods, we've had summer floods. I mean, the the floods of 2007 were July. Now, if you ask anybody, um, would you expect everywhere to flood in July, they'd be like, no, it's a British summer. You know, we'd have a thunderstorm, yeah, but not flooding. Right. Um, It's dramatic, but it is... I have to give serious praise to the Environment Agency. They have done a sterling job 
keeping the water away. I mean, new road, I'm afraid, the cricket ground is... Um, it, it, it is what it is. It, it, it does expect to flood. Uh, sadly, so the poor groundsman, Tim Packwood, there has got a job on his hands once again. And it's cancelled the bonfire celebration. And it's cancelled, yes. The uh, organisers got in touch with us to... Uh, let us know the annual it's the second time in more than 50 years it's been cancelled it's devastating Um, but if you see Pitchcroft I mean this morning Pitchcroft still looks underwater so um, it's just it's not just not viable Uh, but it's I'm afraid it's the look of the draw it's you don't know when the rains are going to hit I mean we had a month's rain in 24 hours well, I drove past um, the other day, and all the swans looked very happy. Yes, they've... Somebody's they, enjoying it, Yeah, they, they, <laughs> you know, they enjoy their excursion. Uh, the, the river goes up to a certain level, so they can go into certain shops down by the bottom. They, they enjoy it, so... <laughs> but it's wonderful pictures, and hopefully now... I mean, the forecast, uh, it's unsettled for the weekend, but there's no heavy rain on the horizon, so hopefully the seven can... But what amazes me is that it disappears as quickly as it rises. Mm. It's absolutely sensational. It's almost four days and poof. It's, it's almost a, like someone's pulled a plug yeah. at the bottom. <laughs> because how fast-moving fast a river it is, it's down, downstream yeah. by then. So if you have been affected, my symp- you know, our sympathy is with you and hopefully you're back to on your feet and back to normal just as soon as possible. Um, I'm not going to talk about gulls because that meeting went on an awful long time. Uh, suffice to say, I have breaking news for you Ooh. that a, a gull call will not be considered. Oh, will it not? So we are kicking the can down the road. So if you are seagulls, then you've got access to podcasts. Good news, you're surviving. Oh, good. <laughs> um, I appeal to everybody, bees and uh, all sorts. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about, because I went to interview this woman last Wednesday, and one of the bravest women I've ever met, this is Rachel Pighills. You'll find her on page six of our paper this week. Now, Rachel suffers... I'm going to try and get this right. I've been practising it upstairs. I don't know why I say upstairs, because I have to come upstairs. But she suffers from allantoxial instability. What is that, I hear you cry? Basically, her brain um, cannot no longer be supported by her neck, and is actually falling down into her neck, and her brain, her spinal cord is actually digging into her brain, uh, the bottom of her brain stem now. Yikes. Um... It has caused a lack of mobility, but it, the most serious thing, and this is quite scary when you actually hear about it, but when you meet her, it's so inspirational to hear how she's battling against it, is if her spine dislocates if she turns her neck. And if it would dislocate fully, she would die. So what happens? So she's in a brace She's constantly. in a permanent brace now all day apart from eating because obviously she can't eat because if you've wore a neck brace, you know you can't move your jaw. Um, but the condition is so bad um, that if she was to twist her neck like you and me, like me and Claire now could just twist our necks, no problem. If Rachel did it, it could cause... Um, it could. So she's got a broken neck and just die? She would, she would die. What happens if there's something that happens and she doesn't... Her reaction to just make her turn? She is literally just uh, slowed down completely now. Literally everything is gentle and sort of... She can't do anything. She hasn't got, hasn't got energy. It's affected her biology as well. She's got um, problems woman. with her bladder, problems with her speech. I mean, to hear her talk, she's very slow and very deliberate because her brain is being affected by it. Mm. Um, the pressure is being put on her brainstem by her spine, as I said. So there's two operations that need to be taking place. There are only three surgeons in the world capable of it. Two in America, 
one in Barcelona. So this can be cured? They can be cured, but the risk is huge. So is she going for it? or She needs to raise £135,000 to fund the two surgeries. Okay. Because um, if you go on to www.gofundme.com, search Rachel's Fight for Life. That's Rachel spelled R-A-C-H-E-L, Fight for Life. Go find it on GoFundMe. And if you can help, do help, because this lady is just wonderful. And she is just so, so brave, because she talked about her own potential mortality. And I think anyone that can do that... I mean, yes, she cried. Mm. And it left me quite emotional as well. But with the bravery in that she's willing to take on and willing to take the risk, because as she said, you know, the risk... Um, there are risks from the surgery, from complications to death. Yeah, of course. But if she doesn't do anything, she's going to die anyway. Oh, my goodness, I've never, ever heard anything like this before. It's horrific. But the money you could help donate would fund two surgeries. One, to remove the spur in the brain stem that is putting pressure on her brain. Hmm. That would be taken out through her nose, apparently. It is deeply invasive surgery, and the risks are very, very high. She would then be in a cone, a, a halo, Uh, to keep her head still for over a week, for more than a week. Was it a week? Uh, A long time. It would be a long long time. A day would be long just in looking at one thing for... And if that was a success, success, then they will fuse. Basically, um, if you you look at your neck, um, they would fuse from the top of your neck where it meets your head down to just above her shoulder blades, they, they would be fused together then. She would never be able to turn her neck again. But it would be... But it would save her solid life. Solid on, yeah. And potentially would cure all these other conditions that, has, that have sprung up and affected her because of the pressure being put on her brain stem. Oh, poor, poor thing. It's, I mean, she was... Initially, she got married to her husband, Guy, who is just lovely as well. I should mention Guy is a very... Nice gentleman as well. She got married. They got married in the, uh, September of 2017. Um, no, sorry, in uh, February 2018. I do apologise. February 2018. Her wedding dress was a size 12. Hmm. She lost so much weight because of the Addison's disease she was diagnosed with. Hmm. On her wedding day, the dress was taken into a size 6. Oh, my goodness. And as she says herself, she was the only bride-to-be that was actively eating to try and put the weight back on. Wow. It's just a... It's an awful story in terms of how it's affected her health. But there's a glimmer of But it is inspirational Mm. for Mm. the way she's fighting it. And if you could donate, you would not be wasting the money because, I mean, she's still... Unbelievably, she's still trying to work. What does she do? She works in an office in in Persia. I won't Mm. name them because there's certain things that have asked to be kept private. Mm. But she works as uh, as a supply manager. Oh, my goodness. So she's actually still trying to go to work. And as she says herself, people have said, well, why don't you go on the sick and claim benefits? And she said, that's not me. No, she's not. She's a fighter, obviously. She's, a she's fighter, not giving up. And she's not giving so up. So it's gofundme.com and Rachel's Fight for Life and as I'll well. And I'll just spell Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, because I know there's the A, the A is missing. So do make sure it's R-A-C-H-E-L. Oh, wow. um, that's just absolutely wonderful. Um... And I wish all the best with it because it's just wonderful to me, inspirational uh, people like that that have dealt with such of the harshest cards. I do want to give a mention to Martin Potter as well. 
and the Brexit city's Brexit party candidate, the former company director, will be fighting the seat um, for the Brexit party and has urged a clean break uh, Brexit. Uh, it might be interesting to have him on the podcast just to find out what the plan is if they're going to be encouraging people to conservative go for Brexit. Or, or, you know, I'd love to know. Well, it's funny you should say that. Oh, has he said he might come on? I'm going to be contacting him today and be, with Parliament, we've got to be careful because of Perda and we want to be fair on the podcast just like we are in the paper, you know. And one thing I want to assure you now in the election campaign, We'll cover everybody. We, yeah, we won't we, ignore anybody. Our personal opinions never our come into it. Our personal opinions, and we will temper our views on the podcast as well in the general election campaign because you should vote for who you want to vote for, not what somebody tells you to vote for. Absolutely. That is not democracy. But I'm going to be contacting Martin today, and Parliament will be dissolved next Wednesday. We're recording this on the 30th of October. Parliament will be dissolved on Wednesday the 6th. I'm hoping to get Martin in... Um, next Wednesday if we can or we're going to try and arrange it where we can do perhaps a pre-record mm. at some point and get him in because I would like his views as well because then in the election campaign we've got podcasts with everybody that's standing in this election and allow you to listen to them all and make your decision hopefully that way another way of you making a decision so we are going to, I am going to extend the offer to him. Brilliant. Uh, but he's out and about and he sent me the, an email the other day saying he was about to go to the Ukraine Mm. Uh, for 10 days. He's very, very active. But I would have thought with the campaign starting now, he's going to be front and centre. And we'll, 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 try and, we'll try and meet him whenever we can. But his views, Brexit and on the general election and on how Labour and the Conservatives have handled Brexit so far, they're in the paper, page nine, and they'll be on the website too. So do read it as well. Uh, I think it, to close this part, we'll close back where we're going, where we start. I think the general election will be fascinating because... I think for the first time, this red versus blue will be discoloured massively because I think the whole game now is open. I think there's going to be shades of pink, purple, yeah. everything in there. It's the whole spectrum, isn't it? I think there's going to be a lot of competition for the vote and I think there's going to be a lot of close seats and I'll be very interested in Worcester. Robin Walker currently sits on a 2,500 majority. I think that would be very interesting to watch where votes go. What, um, people do seem to really like Robin Walker, don't they? He's, he he's done popular. a good job, yeah. He's been popular. Um, he's got family links, obviously, because his father, his late father was uh, MP uh, for Worcester uh, under Margaret Thatcher as well. So he's got family links. But he's a gentleman. He's But it's 2,500. He's but, he, in the last... I mean, he was, 2017 was a disaster. Let's be honest. OK, maybe disaster's a strong word. But I remember covering the 2017 campaign and I talked to a number of senior Tories when the election was first called, when Theresa May... Do you remember her, Theresa May? <laughs> it seems um, so long ago. <laughs> it, seem, it seems an age ago. Um, but when she called the election, I talked to a number of senior Tories in this city and they were all, well, Corbyn's hopeless and we're going to take... Because I think Robin was on a, a 7,000 majority. We're going to take that majority north of 10,000 and Worcester won't be a marginal anymore. It'll be a safe Tory seat. They had the shock of their life on election night when yeah. the majority was taken down. Whether the other parties can repeat that, because I will put a note of caution that that Labour recorded their highest vote share in 2017 and still didn't win. Mm. 
But Labour had a message then, didn't they? And I think they had a really good campaign. This At the moment, they just don't seem to have a message. They haven't got a decision. Well, it, it is. It's, we'll, we'll campaign for Brexit. At the moment, their Brexit message seems to be, we'll, we'll negotiate a deal... And then we'll have a second referendum. Put it back where to we'll, the people, and, which is, and we'll campaign against our deal, which doesn't work. It's going to be five years. I'm time sorry before. if you're a Labour. If you're a Labour voter, that Brexit policy doesn't work. Mm. You can't campaign for a Brexit deal and go look, 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 we're pro Brexit, and then campaign against it. You've either got to come out one way or the other. Brexit is binary. Mm. You're either fro- pro Brexit or against Brexit. How did what was the percentage in Worcester? Oh. For Brexit, though, the oh, referendum. Oh, uh, it's uh, 53.7. To leave. Well, to leave, yes. Worcester is a leave city. Right, okay. 53.7 against 46.3. I think that adds up to 100. <laughs> so it was very similar to the national picture. Right. Um, mm. That it was. It wasn't this big. This wasn't this big chasm. It wasn't overwhelming like some areas were like Stoke and Trent or some, something. Yeah, seventy percent yeah. like that. But obviously, it showed a demor- You know, whether things change, I don't know. I mean, personally, I don't think this is going to change anything. Mm. I think on the morning of the thirteenth. By the way, the new prime minister of this country will be elected officially Friday the thirteenth. Unless it's Boris and it's him as. Still, well, it'll still be it'll still be elected. <laughs> oh, I guess, yeah. He's not remember. He he's just a candidate now. Mm. Well, from Wednesday, he'll just be the candidate until the Queen asks him to form a government. He's not the Prime Minister. Mm. The earliest the Queen can see him is Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> That's if he wins. I mean, we don't know. I mean, I th- <laughs> I've got a horrible, horrible feeling that we're going to be back to square one on Friday the thirteenth. Oh God, I hope not. I because really I not. think there's going to be a surge in Brexit party votes and I think there's going to be a surge in the Liberal Democrat votes and I think the two oldest parties in this country are in for a bloody nose. We need to know what the Brexit voters are going to do if they are yeah, going I to back so. Tory. But I mean I'm, I've been very open about it and in the last lot of elections I voted Brexit. Yeah. I've been a Tory my whole life. I even, you know, I'm in, in the party and I'm campaigning for them over in Redditch where I live. Um, but I did it as a protest vote mm. because well, I wasn't being listened to with Brexit. And I'm hoping that lots of those Brexit voters are like me. Um, but this is this is where no, this is where I have to say to you about politics and what's bad politics. Boris put it, all his eggs in the basket for October the 31st. We're not leaving tomorrow, but he put his eggs in his basket. That's bad politics to do it. But it's also good leadership, showing that strength. It's great if you deliver it. If you don't, you create this vacuum now where there are going to be millions of voters, maybe more than millions of voters, that will go, I've been a Conservative all my life, you promised Brexit by October the 31st, you haven't delivered... And we'll go but I think most of those voters will realise that it's not his fault. He has been blockaded at every opportunity well, by then. Labour and by the SNPs. If it had been up to him, he would have delivered Brexit but on then the 31st. In a general election campaign, that you're, you're, you're right, you're right, you're absolutely right. But in a general election campaign, when every party needs equal airtime, you've got Nigel Farage, who is a huge asset on the campaign trail, and if he wants to go to war with the Tories, because, as you said, if there's no discussions about packs or anything, mm. he can go to war. Because he knows, well, hang on, what have I got to lose? I'm probably not going to get a pact with Boris Johnson anyway, so I might as well pitch to all 
the Conservatives that are annoyed by saying, well, look, he delivered, he didn't do it. We're no. a new voice, we're delivering Brexit. And also in the Labour heartlands in the north, where Labour voters just won't go to Conservative because tribally they can't, mm. that voice, that, that message could work. Yeah, but I don't think Nigel wants to be PM. I've heard him say it a couple of times now. He just wants Brexit done. He yeah. set up the party to just get out of Europe yeah. because he thinks he just he just thinks it's so unfair. Um, so I don't think he wants to go for the. No, but if I give you a hypothesis, hmm. he wins forty seats, including himself, and Boris doesn't win a majority. He's got a heck of a whip hand in any coalition negotiations. Mm. Say, say Boris falls 20 short of a majority and the Brexit party pick up 40 seats. So then it would be another hung parliament, but it would be Brexit and Conservative. It would be hung part. It would be a hung parliament, but all of Boris Johnson's got to do is say... All, one of them has got to do is say, well, look, we both want the same thing. All of a sudden, those seats take the Conservatives over and you're working with people... Who believe in... Who want oh, the same right, okay. thing as you. Yeah. So you've got to be careful because... He's doing it to get Brexit done, and I, I'm never, I'm never going to knock a prime minister for going to the country and asking the people's thoughts. Whether it's too much, a third in four and a half years, mm. <laughs> uh, there is going to be an element of Brexit weariness on the doorstep. But he, I'm never going to knock him, but he's got to be very careful because I think he thinks the voters will reward him for his persistence. Mm. When I think the mood of the public currently is we're all absolutely knackered by Brexit. It's true, isn't it? And I we're think, not helping, are we, Rob? We're <laughs> not helping, no. I, said, I thought to myself, walking up, we'll do, do, we'll do a few minutes on the general election. That's most of the podcast done on the general election. Let's move on to something more entertaining, always enthralling. Claire's What's on Worcester Roundup. For all the things to do and see this week, it's Claire Bullivant with this week's What's on Gate. Happy, happy Halloween, everybody, and also Bonfire Night. Who else loves this time of year? I certainly do. There's loads going on, as always, this weekend in Worcester and Malvern. For the full list, do check out our website. But here are a few of my top picks for the coming week ahead. Starting on Friday, the 1st of November, Paradiddles Music Cafe Bar, they've got a fun Halloween night going on there with Bandicoti and Polka Dot Robot absolutely fabulous local band it's going to be loads of fun there's also a full night of live music over at annie's burger shack on friday night the hendrum express and smoking pilchards they're going to be playing i know they're two of the bands who have told me they're performing there great bands and it's always a lot of fun over at annie's burger shack and there's also a ha heroes halloween party happening at heroes with live djs and there's going to be best dressed prizes so do dress up and get yourself over to heroes 9 p.m until late there on friday night there's also a couple of great bands i've heard of and musicians performing at the mars bar on friday too gaz brookfield b-sides and john dimmant um they're a couple i know about all very talented and it's going to be a fabulous night over there 
Then on Saturday, that's the 2nd of November, there's another Worcester Alternative Artists Market happening at Heroes, 3pm until 7pm there on Saturday. And there's also an Ultimate Leopard, a brilliant Deaf Leopard tribute band happening at the Mars Bar on Saturday evening. I definitely want to catch them. I really think Hysteria is one of the best albums ever. And it's so great to see rock music finally making a comeback. Apparently it is. Anyway, I'm really excited about that but definitely catch um, Ultimate Leopard they're apparently incredible and if you love Def Leopard you're going to love them then on Sunday the 3rd of November some more live music for you Amplified Heat they're going to be performing at the Imperial in Worcester at 5pm on Sunday the Moscow Drug Club they're going to be on at Worcester Arts Workshop on Sunday and there's also another WMSC music session happening at the West Malvern Social Club on Sunday if you're a musician definitely get in touch with them and get involved with this group it's a great thing to do incredible musicians lots of local musicians too so you'll make lots of contacts and um yeah they put on some fantastic events stay safe if you go to any bonfire parties this weekend and do have a wonderful weekend ahead remember if you have any events going on do let us know so we can let everyone know back to you rob Thank you, Claire. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I've hit the microphone stand again. and we, I, did, I haven't coughed all the way through. Claire's coughed twice. So I think I may have infected her with uh, the dreaded man flu. So if she's not here next week, I've infected her with... Well, it's not man flu, is it, if you get it? It's no. A, we, we, yeah, it's just a little cold yeah, for it's women. It's a cold, <laughs> colder women who shrug it off and get on whilst the men complain. Anyway... We'll try and look. let's see what next week brings. Until then, thank you so much for listening. Get in touch with all the ways I've listed. Until next week, I think we're done here. Bye-bye. Thanks.